The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 8 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. Uh, I must say, I do feel like, you know, we just w- began to scrape the surface of the conversation we're having in the last hour because there's so much to try and unpack. And when it comes to, again, the issue of misinformation and disinformation that we have been seeing. So we'll certainly see if there aren't other opportunities in, in future for us to take a look at this conversation. Many of you also are commenting in terms of your views and how the narratives are being shaped. I think, like Tandy was saying, it's just you know incumbent of all of us to remain as critical as possible, to ask as many questions um, as possible, and to some extent accept that we will see elements of bias coming through, even from from the media, you know, uh, but as Avani was saying, that there are different levels of acceptability of bias by the media. I know, I know it's often a controversial issue because people don't want to accept, yes, um, you can be biased, but still be credible. And those two are oxymoronic, I know, but um, it's part of the nature of of the environment in which we operate and um i think the more sober the more honest the more reflective we are about some of these issues then the better we will be for citizens and and asking the right kind of questions uh, that we need to so uh it's the final hour of the show and as we do every wednesday we're going to be focusing on our health talk for this hour and uh, we are speaking about stomach ulcers today and as always you'll have uh, the opportunity of calling in and speaking to uh, professor damon bezos who is going to be our guest for the conversation Before we get to that, however, let's take some of your voice notes. Kathy, I just want you to note that in the news, um, we are being told the story from the Ukrainian perspective, of which mostly it's not even really Ukrainian perspective, but it's the NATO, US, NATO and France and Europe and EU perspective now they want to paint russia as the war criminal we have to be told that people were found laying on the ground executed with electrical cable ties um tied to their back but we are not told in this news here the one we're listening to in safm and sabc we are not told what the russians did find we are not being given balanced perspective Good morning, Kate. It's Mteta speaking here in Pushepsi. I can hear people talking about commemoration of people who are already passed away. That thing does not help anybody. We're going to benefit nothing. Instead of talking about things that can help people to get things to benefit, those commemorations will get, get bring us nowhere. They must stop thinking about something that should be thought by children, I think. House Kathy is all up to the government officials to bring freedom and, and, and democracy to the people. Currently, we do not have freedom. We do not have, we are not democratic. And uh, uh, it's up to them to, to practice that and stop being coconuts. I'm gonna put it that way. They must stop being coconuts. They must bring freedom 
and also fair justice and and and, and kill the racism and kill poverty the, the the poor black people they don't know about freedom they they have no democracy simple as that let us be honest Kathy, how are you? I'm Nathan K from Omera. Madam Kathy, let me start with this point. The Western media, all the governments are controlling the media. The Western countries, those countries like America, like Europe, many of them, they are the ones who are controlling the media. Because if you consider the CNN, whatever, everything, you manage to see that they controlled. Why is it that they crossed Russia today? They should have put both of them to show what is happening in Ukraine so that everybody can judge him or herself to dictate. But if they manage to cross Russia today, which means they are obstructing to get to the other side, what if the Western media or the America, whatever, doing those things in Ukraine, whereas they are saying that it's Russia? No, we have to see both sides. We have to see the Russia today. We have to see this CNN, whatever, everything. Have a nice day, Madam Kathy. I'm Nathan K from Mombera. Bye. About choosing sides and not choosing sides in the Ukraine-Russia war, I will tell you this. Only one time, only once in SAFM, that was in Eldrin Sampier's um, debate uh, show, which is like maybe about 20 minutes, where I heard one side talking from the Russian perspective, from Russia perspective, only once in SAFM. Since February, since this... Uh, Let's get into our final conversation of the day. Uh, Professor Damon Bezos is the academic head of surgical gastroenterology at Wits University. Good morning to you and thank you so much for your time, Prof. Thank you. And, uh, hello to all the listeners of SAFM. All right. Can you hear, can you hear me loud and clear? All right, I think we're having an issue with that line uh, to Prof. Damon. I think we might have to try and uh, get him on a different line because I certainly am struggling to hear him. Today, of course, we're going to be focusing on stomach ulcers. Uh, this is our focus for the health talk. And as always, uh, you can put whatever questions you want to uh, Professor Bizo, and you, you can get in touch with us on 011-714-2006. That's the number to use to get in touch with us this morning. On the WhatsApp line, we'll take those messages and voice notes for him on 614 You can also uh, share your questions on Twitter at SFM Radio. The hashtag there is SAFM Talking Point. And of course, he is uh, with the Vitz Donald Gordon Medical Center and is really a specialist on this field. Uh, Professor Bezos, I understand that you're back up on the line. I'm hoping I'll be hearing you differently this time. Good morning again. Morning, Cathy. Can you hear me now? Yes, that's much better. Good. Thank you so much. Good morning to all your listeners as well. Yes. So I said we're going to be talking about um, ulcers, but it's actually acid reflux, right? I suppose um, the two, are, are they really connected? No, not at all. Well, they are in a way, uh, Cathy. So reflux disease um, and, and ulcers are both, in a way, caused by acid. And so people can be confused as to what they've got. But if we're talking specifically about gastroesophageal reflux disease, what that is is where the acid and other contents of the stomach go up uh, into the esophagus and burn the esophagus. So normally when you swallow, the food and fluid goes down your esophagus, 
Um, there's a valve at the bottom of your esophagus that lets it through into the stomach. And once it's got into the stomach, the valve closes. And that prevents the acid and other enzymes that are in your stomach from going back up the esophagus and burning you. So if the valve is not working, and a couple of other reasons, you then get what is reflux disease. Ulcer disease normally happens lower in the stomach. Um, you can get ulcers of the esophagus, but that's more uncommon. But ulcers is a slightly different uh, condition. The pain is more um, in the uh, in the midline um, above your belly button, um, so but more in the abdomen than the reflux, which causes what we normally term heartburn, where the pain is actually having pain that comes into the chest. And, and 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 you know how how prominent is acid reflux in terms of generally um, the extent to which people experience it in their lives? So if one looks at studies in the United States, for instance, between twenty and forty percent of people have got reflux. Now that's partly associated with the obesity epidemic and other issues and the foodstuffs they eat. Um, other places in the east, such as China and Japan used to have almost no reflux, but that's starting to, to, to creep up. In South Africa, um, uh, Caucasians had similar amounts of reflux to, to those in the Western world. Um, local um, African patients seldom had reflux. It is changing. More reflux, it's not uh, that common, and it's not a huge problem, but it's certainly when it does occur, can change the quality of life of patients quite significantly. Mm. You always think of a bit of heartburn or something, well, they get a bit of heartburn, take some antacid or some rennies or something. Um, but people who get it badly, really, uh, their quality of life can be terrible. You're bringing me to my next question, Professor Bezos, in terms of what are the causes of acid reflux? So there's a whole lot of foodstuffs that do provoke it. Um, the actual cause, um, we know what's, what happens, and that is mostly that um, valve between the esophagus and the stomach stops working. Mm-hmm. But also what can happen is that you get a hiatus hernia, where part of the stomach, instead of being all below the diaphragm, now the diaphragm is the muscle that allows you to breathe, and there's a hole in it where the esophagus comes through. And normally the esophagus is above the diaphragm and the stomach is below the diaphragm. But what happens over time is that um, hole or aperture becomes bigger and the stomach starts to secrete through into the, uh, into the chest. And if that happens and if your valve starts to weaken, then um, you really can develop quite severe reflux. So just to restate that, you can get bad reflux without a hyatosemia, but if you've got a hyatosemia, the chances of getting reflux are higher. Um, And so those are the the two things that are associated mostly with reflux. Um, We all reflux to a certain extent. So tests, special scientific tests being done. And it shows that for up to 4% of the day, we get some of that reflux up into our esophagus. But most, if you've got a normal esophagus and a normal valve, then by swallowing some saliva, um, you actually wash that acid back down into your stomach and your valve closes. 
patients whose valve is not working or patients whose valve is not working and have got a hypersemia then develop reflux, which becomes pathologic and gives them all the symptoms. You've mentioned um, some of the risk factors, including just the food that people may eat that trigger um, acid reflux and even things like uh, obesity. Are there other risk factors? So, you know, um, there's been lots of studies to work out why there's this epidemic. And no one's really pinpointed exactly why this valve starts to fail. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Certain foodstuffs we know cause problems. For some reason, peppermints, coffee, alcohol, fatty foods, and then big meals and also carbonated drinks can increase the pressure in the stomach and then push up the acid into the acid and other gastric contents into the esophagus. And the esophagus is not designed to uh, to handle acid. The stomach lining um, is designed to um, withstand very high acid loads. The pH in your stomach is uh, around about one, which is very low. It's a very potent acid, and yet your stomach doesn't get burned because of various protective um, mechanisms that are there. However, that same acid, and especially if there's some enzymes from the stomach with that acid that normally digests food, if that acid and the enzymes get into your esophagus, it can really burn your esophagus quite badly. And how does one know, Professor Bezos, when they've got um, acid reflux? So most patients will present with what we call the typical signs and symptoms of of reflux. So they'll say that I'm getting heartburn, that the acid is coming up and burns me, especially after meals. When I lie down at night, it gets worse. Occasionally what happens is so much fluid goes up the esophagus that it almost chokes the patient, but that uh, is quite uncommon. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally, patients have slightly stranger um, symptoms, such as if the acid really goes up to the top of the esophagus, it can end up burning the vocal cords, which um, are up in your, at the the back of your mouth, and people can get hoarseness and wake up hoarse. So these are all things that can be um, due to reflux, and often I get patients referred by ENT specialists who uh, have diagnosed the fact that uh, the acid is going all the way up and burning the larynx of the patient. Mm. And, and, and what about? Common. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. And what about you know the, the the symptoms that are also similar to what one would have sometimes if you're having a common cold, like maybe a dry um, cough, wheezing. How, how does one? make the distinction between yeah. that being caused by um, acid reflux or if, in fact, you know, these are just early onset, onset symptoms of a cold? No, I, I mean, that is not normally uh, an issue. The people who mm-hmm. have cough from reflux have often got a chronic cough, means that they cough for a long time. And um, it's an association with reflux. It's not, you know, it might be that some of that acid is going all the way up into the lungs or it might be uh, mediated by some nerves because of acid burning the esophagus causing um, your lung tubes or the bronchi to uh, to constrict. Now that's uncommon. So as I say, the majority of patients uh, present with reflux symptoms that uh, mainly include heartburn. 
Now, there are some patients who have quite severe heartburn, or not so much heartburn, as those who have reflux, but in fact have no symptoms. So there's a small percentage of patients who land up with complications associated with reflux that actually don't have And there's some patients who have got very bad reflux-type symptoms, but in mm-hmm. fact it's due to something else. So we have to investigate them to a certain extent, and it really depends at what age the patients present with it and how long it's been going. Um, so my, I think maybe I can give an early warning now. If, this, if people over the age of 40, 45 start developing any new symptoms, whether it be heartburn or pain in the what we call the epigastrium in the upper abdomen, they need to go see their doctors. You know, younger people, 20, 30 years old, there's very little chance that this is due to something like a cancer. As you get older, especially if you've had no symptoms before, you just have to be careful that those sorts of symptoms are not due to something a little bit more sinister, and so therefore you should go see your GP. Mm. Now, the majority of people with reflux treat themselves by taking over-the-counter medication and know that they out and have a have a drink or if they have a lot of coffee. Some people don't like spicy drinks. Another thing that can cause quite a lot of heartburn is uh, fruit juices. So some patients cannot take uh, cannot take fruit juices. So what they do, they try avoid things. They maybe change change their, their diet, they try change their lifestyle, and take over the counter medication. But once they see their GPs, they then maybe get put onto more uh, powerful medications to treat this, and only a few of them will end up coming to the gastroenterologists for endoscopy and for maybe, uh, on occasion, surgery for this reflux. Mm. For people who take over-the-counter medication to treat acid reflux, at which point do they need to actually go and, and see a doctor? Because, you know, it's, it's quite easy to kind of just keep self-treating or self-medicating. So I would say, you know, once again, that, that age limit. So if you've had no symptoms and you're now getting to 45 and suddenly you start getting symptoms, whether it be upper, upper abdominal or this reflux, you need to go see your doctor. I would say as well is that one of the risks of prolonged heartburn, especially in people who smoke, is that you can develop a cancer of the esophagus. And so if a patient or has had a long history of reflux and has been self-medicating, especially if they smoke, they should really go see their GP who would probably recommend that they have a upper endoscopy where um, a tube is put down to look at the esophagus and the stomach under sedation normally. Um, now, this is generally going to be in very young patients as you get older, All right. I'm not sure, uh, Professor Bezos, what's happening with that line, but I think we lost you again for a bit there. But we are going to continue with Professor Damon Bezos. He is, of course, talking to us about stomach ulcers. I keep saying stomach ulcers, but it's not that. It's acid reflux. I don't know why I've got stomach ulcers on my mind, but we're talking about acid reflux, and uh, he'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. I've already gotten a lot of uh, messages and WhatsApp voice notes uh, for Professor Bezos and we'll be playing some of those to him. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM.
Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. We continue with our health talk today. Acid reflux is what we're talking about, not stomach ulcers. So I'm going to go straight to the questions, uh, Professor Bezos, that we have for you. Just verifying that you can still hear me and are still on the line. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you much better Good. now. I think it just okay. happens occasionally that we keep losing the line, but it's certainly uh, not uh, serious enough for us to not continue with the conversation. So I've got one question here. I'll kick it off with this. This is from um, Kulawazi Magagula in Ermelo, who's asking, uh, do stomach ulcers cause breathlessness and back pain? Um so the answer to that is it normally would not cause a stomach ulcer itself um, is not a cause of breathlessness. Um, but if the ulcer is big enough and penetrates some of the tissue towards the back, it can cause some back pain. But mostly ulcers in the stomach and the duodenum. Now the duodenum is the part of the gastrointestinal tract um, straight after the uh, stomach, so the stomach empties into the duodenum. So ulcers that you get could be in the duodenum or the stomach. They normally present with pain, sometimes before meals, sometimes after meals. That pain um, is quite severe and it can go through to the back. And so certainly the pain, but an ulcer itself generally would not cause breathlessness. Okay. Um, the next question is from Isaac, who says, Morning, Kathy. I suffer from heartburn. At times I have to eat as early as 5 o'clock so that I may be able to sleep while avoiding heartburn. Even, after, even when I bend over after eating, I experience um, this terrible heartburn. What could be the cause and what is the potential remedy for this? So, Isaac, um, it sounds to me like you've got... Uh gastroesophageal reflux disease. Um, if it's been going on for a while, and it sounds like it has, it's unlikely to get better by itself. The reason uh, that you've got it is difficult to know, but it's likely that the valve between your stomach and the esophagus is not working uh, well, and you probably have got a hiatusemia. Now, depending on your age, um, if you're young, you could... Uh, well, I think either way, this is a... Uh, issue that's been bothering you for months, I think you should go see your GP and they will uh, make a decision as to whether um, you need to be referred to a gastroenterologist or not. But unfortunately, the chances that this reflux will go away by itself is not good. And um, there are two real options. One is lifestyle modification. So what you can try is to lose some weight, be careful of what you eat, not to drink alcohol, not to drink coffee. You already know that by eating a big meal at night, you're getting reflux, especially when you lie down at night. Um, Patients with bad reflux, if they um, bend forward, often that that acid fluid comes up and burns the esophagus uh, and it makes it quite difficult for them. And try not to wear tight clothes. You can put the head of your bed up a bit or try to sleep with a wedge. Now, these lifestyle modifications, especially the loss of weight. So, Isaac, I don't know how, um, if you are overweight or not, but losing some weight can help. But mostly uh, in this day and age, reflux would be treated by medication, and there's some 
uh, very good medications now that have got, uh, now every medication has got some side effects, but so does reflux. So um, your um, uh, general practitioner or the hospital doctor could give you what we call the proton pump inhibitors, and these are drugs that stop the acid production in the stomach. So even if you are refluxing a bit, it doesn't contain the acid and you feel a lot better. The problem with it is, is that once you start those, especially if you've got a long history of reflux, is it's unlikely that you're going to be able to stop. And so therefore, once you start those medications, they become a chronic medication. The only other option is that uh, for you, if it is chronic reflux and the um, behavior modification doesn't work, and if the um, calls that we give you do work, the only other option to prevent this going forward would be to consider an operation. Now, I do not recommend that operation lightly, and I make money out of doing surgery, but this is the one operation that I am most cautious with. When it works, it works wonderfully, but it really can have some side effects that um, can be, can make a bad situation worse. And mm-hmm. so before you ever consider having an operation, you need to be very closely investigated and must be sure that the other two methods, the lifestyle and the, um, and the medication, are not working for you. Professor Bissos, I, I want to just add to the point you're making about surgery by uh, also uh, bringing up DD in Velcom. Um, this is a point that DD is asking about and says, Hi, Kathy, can the esophagus opening valve be surgically improved if it's malfunctioning? So maybe if you can go a little bit more into the surgery, what it entails, and perhaps just some of these uh, risks that uh, you, you caution our listeners against. As I mentioned, the main cause uh, of this reflux is that the valve between the esophagus and the stomach is not working properly, and often there's a hiatusemia. We have to be a little careful because what happens uh, in times is that the esophageal pumping mechanism is no good, and that can also result in whatever acid gets up into the esophagus not coming down. And once in a while, the patient's stomach, the patient's stomach does not empty. And so if your stomach is not emptying, the chances of the acid going up into the esophagus are, is greater. So before even contemplating surgery, we need to make sure that everything else is working and there's mainly the valve that's not no good. Now, um, probably 30 or 40 years ago, uh, more now, I would say, um, we were operations devised where we fixed the hiatus hernia, so we had to go and pull the stomach back down into the abdomen, and then we took part of the stomach and wrapped it around the esophagus to make a one-way valve. And that's what we call a Nissen fundoplication or a Nissen wrap. And that uh, acts as a one-way valve. As your stomach blows up, it blows up this valve and prevents the acid from going up into your esophagus. And initially that operation was done by a big cut on the abdomen, and but now with laparoscopic or keyhole surgery, we can um, augment that, um, that valve by doing that wrap. Now there are other things that are coming our way there, 
little metal rings that you can put there. Um, there's some operations that people are devising there with a gastroscope. You can do it from the inside. But whatever you do there, um, it has to be very carefully done and done by an expert on mm-hmm. the right patient. If, you're, if you've got reflux and those proton pump inhibitors do not work for you, then you have to be very careful that there's not something else going on. Because we know that that surgery is most efficient and effective um, when the patients uh, say the medication works for me, but I just don't want to keep taking it. But if they say the medication doesn't work for me, then we have to be a little more careful about mm-hmm. doing that operation. So I'm not saying the operation is something you mustn't contemplate, but your symptoms really should be uh, quite severe um, and uh, need to be seen by an expert in the field to have this. And how often would you say you, you conduct those surgeries, Professor Bezos? Because it does sound very complex. To say that again, sorry, I missed it. How often would you say you conduct um, these kind of, uh, of surgeries? So, you know, the evidence of this, if you take a big group of patients, the evidence for the surgery is actually quite good. Mm. So they've done studies where they've taken a couple of hundred patients and half of them, they do the operation and half of them, they give uh, the medication. And in fact, the operation often does a bit better than the medication. But within that group, there are one of, a few patients that need reoperations that have uh, problems like you cannot burp and you cannot um, swallow properly afterwards. It's uncommon, mm-hmm. but these are the side effects of the operation. Now, there's some surgeons that do it almost on a weekly basis or a daily basis. Um, it all depends on your patient profile and to a certain extent on the um, the surgeon's operation. All right, fair enough. Let me go to Port Shepston. Temba, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Temba. Yes, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah. I wanted to ask to the doctor because he says he is like yourself. Is this thing be able to be tested by uh, this uh, new device that the doctors are using? It's called uh, bio voice. Is the able uh, the doctor will be able to detect it if it do I have uh, suffer from it? A, a new device called bio voice, Temba. Bio, bio voice. Maybe feel like when um, feel like my 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 doctor has have that that, uh, that device. So when, whenever I go to him, maybe like teaching something else on me, use that bio voice to detect like your kidneys, all of those things. Okay. All right, Temba, I, I was struggling to hear you a bit, but I think I could make out partly what you were saying. Uh, Professor Bezos, d- did you get a sense of what Temba was asking? I couldn't quite get it. There's something about uh, medication or something called bio. Yes, he, he's or... asking about uh, bio voice, uh, that, uh, he was saying. Something along the... It's, it's yeah. a machine I that helps to I, diagnose. Um, I haven't heard... Um, no, uh, no I, mean, I wouldn't... I've never heard of that, and I don't think it's part of mainstream... Medicine, it might be some alternative thing uh, that people use, but I haven't heard of that. I'm sorry. Okay. Difficult to hear, Temba, but uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that that land wasn't great to, uh, to him. Uh, apologies about that, Temba. Uh, if if you're able to stop, maybe you can give us a call again, and and we'll be able to put your question more clearly to Professor Bezos. Let me take the WhatsApp voice notes that uh, our listeners have been sending through for you. Uh, so, Doctor Bezos, what I'll do is that I'll play uh, one voice note at a time, and you can respond after the voice note. Okay. Fine, Thank you. Oh, good morning, SAFM, and to the listeners, and to the honourable guest. It's Selvan Gamde from Durban. Uh, with regard to gastric ulcers, I just got two questions uh, for our professor. Uh, is it advisable to take medication or tablets on an empty st- stomach with it, without eating food? Does it contribute to gastric ulcers? And point number two, when someone is uh, suffering with gastric ulcers, is it advisable or can one drink mass or known as sour milk? Does this help to soothe the ulcers? Thank you. Professor Bezos? Hi, Kathy. Yes, you can go for it. Okay. So basically, if I understood the question correctly, it was about gastric ulcers. Now remember, those are ulcers in the stomach. They're not as common as they were in the past. And the first question was, should you take medications on an empty stomach or not? Now, different medications uh, need to be taken on you know, before meals, with a meal, or after a meal. And the best person to um, inform you about that is your pharmacist. What I can say, and for those people who are taking the proton pump inhibitors, which is the common medication that is used for reflux, you need to take that about half an hour before breakfast. If you take it after a meal or with a meal, it doesn't work as well. Those medications will work, but they are designed in a certain way. Most of them are absorbed in the small bowel, not in the stomach itself. And um, you need to take it according to the pharmacist's prescription. Now, there are a few um, uh, medications that can cause ulceration of the stomach. And those are generally the aspirins um, and the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And so one has to be a little careful if you've got a history of ulcers of the stomach if the doctor wants to prescribe you aspirin or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, let's say something like brufen. Because if you don't take them correctly, and normally you have to have food with shortly after you take them, and you might cause ulcers of the stomach. So generally, uh, there are few medications that will cause gastric ulcers. The main ones are the non-steroidals and uh, aspirins of the world. So things like Grandpa uh, with the aspirin in it, you need to be a little careful of. Um, And then I think the second part of the question was something about taking milk for the ulcers. Mm. Cut down the amount of acid. Going back uh, 40, 50 years is that there were only antacid uh, fluids and milk that one could take for acids. So people who had ulcers or had reflux often would take uh, quite a lot of milk um, to to try counter it. Now that um, can help, um, but you need to take quite a lot of it. And the medications that have been developed are a lot better at cutting down the acid. So, so it, would there be a difference between the milk uh, and the mass specifically that he was talking about? So, what was the other one that you were talking the, about? The fermented milk, basically. Fermented milk. I'm not. Mm. I'm not aware of whether fermented milk would be better or worse than uh, normal milk. 
Um, so I can't really comment on that. All right, no, no problem. Let, let's take another voice note. Morning, Kathy. I had uh, had been for 16 years, almost every day. I do go to doctors. Uh, they try to prescribe medication. It does help, but when I stop, uh, it comes it comes back. The heart pain comes back. I'm tired. I don't know what to do anymore. I've experienced all the symptoms of severe heart pain. All of them, you see. So I don't know which food not to eat, which to eat anymore, you see. Kindly inquire for me on what should I do. Jish, uh, it sounds like our listeners going through very, very difficult times then as far as at the heartburn is concerned. Professor Bezos? So as I mentioned earlier, is that reflux really can affect your life a lot. And, uh, you know, it interrupts your sleep. You can't eat what you want to eat. And, I mean, I don't think he gave his name, but he, he, he um, mentioned exactly what, patients with chronic reflux disease experience is that um, that valve is not working properly, the esophagus or bottom might not be working properly, they probably got a high hernia. And when you take these medications that cut the acid in the stomach is that you feel better. The minute you stop those medications, you go back to square one. So unfortunately, apart from surgery or some way of fixing the valve, there's no real way to cure the reflux. Now, he mentioned that he's tried some diet and uh, tried some lifestyle modifications. The evidence for the lifestyle modifications 20 years ago, that hasn't made no difference. But I think there is some evidence now, especially weight loss. And you don't have to you know, get down to normal weight. But often by losing five kilograms, it makes a difference. By not going out and eating late at night, not drinking a lot of alcohol, avoiding coffee, avoiding peppermints, avoiding chocolate can help. But once it gets to the stage that the minute you stop your medication, your reflux comes back, it's likely that your options are that you're going to have to either take the medication for the rest of your life on a regular basis, or you're going to have to think about a um, just depending on the patient's age, is that they should consider going to see their GP for a once-off upper endoscopy where a doctor can put a, um, a camera down to take a look to see how bad um, the damage is, uh, how big the hiatus is, and to discuss the options. Mm. But and, and either they're going to have to stay on the medication or consider an operation. And, and Dr. Bissos, this is an aside, but do, you know, is this a surgery that is offered also in the uh, public health sector? It is, and most of the academic centers uh, do it. What's interesting, Cathy, is that uh, in the private sector, a lot more of them, like people of medical aid who are in higher socioeconomic uh, strata, are more likely to indulge, more likely to be overweight, etc. But I don't think that's necessarily true. But we do do it um, in the state sector, and I work at Charles Nacheke, and we do them uh, not often, but we do them. Mm. Um, but uh, in other state hospitals, would do it as well. 
but they are more often done um, in private practice on patients in medical aid, on medical aid. All right. Th- th- thanks for that, uh, Professor Bezos. Let me go to Polokwane. Polokwane Maria, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Dr. Bezos. So my problem is that I went to a doctor at some point. I presented uh, the symptoms that I had. Uh, now and then I experience a feeling like just above my, my belly button. It, when, when the feeling comes, it almost feels like I'm having constipation. Then I, I start feeling like something is moving just below, just above my belly button, right up to my to my throat. It's almost feeling like I'm choking. And I have like a sensation on the, on the it almost feels like acid reflux, if, if maybe that is that. Is that. And um, I start to bet a lot when that happens. It feels like I'm, consti- I'm highly constipated and I'm starting to bet a lot. So I was told it's acid reflux and they, they prescribe some medication, but each time when that happens, I take that medication. The medication doesn't work anymore. Right now, I'm experiencing that feeling. That's why I'm listening mm. up on the, on the show. Yes. And, and, and Maria, did you find that the medication made a difference initially and it has now stopped working or it never made a difference at all? I, I, I think it worked at first when I started experiencing the feeling that I just take the pill in the morning. It's taken just before you eat anything. I mm. did them, yeah. But when the feeling comes back, I just like this morning I took the pill, but I'm still experiencing the, the same feeling. Mm. Dr. Bezos yeah. or Professor Bezos? So I couldn't hear the last bit about whether she continued to take the medication and whether it helped her. Um, but uh, did, did, she, did it help at the beginning and then stop working? Yes, or did yes. She, stop? She, she says it helped initially, but uh, its effectiveness uh, seems to have uh, diminished with time. And yeah, she, she took she took the medication today, and as she says, she's having this you know this feeling and this pain as we're speaking, but it's not making a difference. Okay, so essentially, um, what I would say here is that patients who have reflux, other gastrointestinal issues such as constipation and irritable bowel syndrome and bloating and those sorts of things. So they do come together. I'm not sure it was Maria, was it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what age Maria is, but, um, you know, if your bowel habit changes, so if you were regular before and now you become constipated or you have alternating constipation and diarrhea, you need to be especially if you're getting to the 40 or 50 year age group. Um, so it's not surprising that a person who has got symptoms acid reflux or gastroesophageal reflux disease uh, has also got other uh, problems such as constipation um, and bloating and cramping pains and that sort of thing. Now, I'm not sure what sort of medication um, Maria was taking. The latest versions of the medicine, the proton pump inhibitors, and the effectiveness generally does not wane over time. It stays the same. It doesn't get... Whereas there was a previous um, group of uh, medications called the um, H2 blockers, um, which were very popular and made the uh, manufacturers a lot of money. But they were the only ones available. The problem with them is over time, the effectiveness decreased because the patient's body got used to those medications. So I'm not sure which medications Maria is using. Was mm. she using over-the-counter um, antacid-type uh, medications, generally white stuff um, that, that, that 
that you can get over the counter. Um, some people take uh, enos and that sort of thing, um, or whether she was on a proton pump inhibitor. But I would say that, especially if she's uh, getting to middle age, um, to try to deal with this um, constipation and the reflux. But if the reflux is not responding to uh, maximal medical treatment, then that is one of the reasons to go see a gastroenterologist or a surgeon to do an endoscopy to take a look at your stomach. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, uh, Professor Bezos. Let me take Barry in East London. Uh, Barry, you'll be our last call on this issue. Good morning. Morning, morning, Kathy. Morning, Professor Bezos. Thank you for this wonderful show. Uh, Professor, my, my, my question to you is, you know, I suffered from uh, chronic uh, acid reflux, but I've got it pretty much under control now for the last couple of years. My biggest concern is that um, a few times happened to me, especially late at night when I'm sleeping. Um, in my sleep, the, I would wake up, you know, during my sleep choking because of the reflux. But this is mainly due to, at times, if I would have uh, some alcohol and um, some spicy food and then going to bed late at night. And um, so this is the problem that I've been having for, it's happened to me a couple of times, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's very concerning for me where in my sleep uh, it wakes me up where, um, where I'm choking and I, I'm gasping for air, you know, and uh, what happens uh, because of the spicy food that I've eaten probably early in the evening uh, causes uh, my esophagus to burn for at least a couple of minutes, you know, but it takes at least about maybe 10 minutes for the whole uh, thing to subside. Hello? Hi, Professor Bezos. Yes, Barry, don't worry, we can still hear you. Uh, Professor Um, Bezos, you you can go ahead and respond. Okay, so essentially... um, what Barry is, um, is describing is what we call volume reflux. So that's where not only is the acid going up or the gastric content with its acid going up and burning a bit, but now yes. you've got such a volume of acid that it's going up and almost choking you. And it really yes. is a terrible sensation. And yeah. so um, if, if that happens whilst you're taking the medication, that certainly would be a possible indication that you need to consider a surgery. So I could just add one, Kathy. If you've got problems in swallowing, you really must go see your doctor. You know, I, reflux I, can cause problems with swallowing. Um, I'm not talking specifically about Barry, but I think before we finish, the one area that you have to be very careful of is if you can't swallow properly or your problems are swallowing, there's a possibility of a growth there and you need to go and see the doctor. Coming back yeah, to Barry, I, um, I don't have problems in swallowing. Everything is fine, you know, uh, eating, swallowing. Uh, I've got no problem with drinking uh, liquids or any fluids. I've got no problem. It's just at times, uh, like I said to you, uh, a Professor, yeah. if I did have a few drinks, uh, which is very rare, you know, on maybe special occasions, and um, had something spicy to eat and go to bed. Uh, and late uh, during my sleep, this would happen to me uh, on on a few occasions. And I noticed it, it actually happened to me last week. Uh, I didn't have anything in the alcohol, but I had some spicy food. And I noticed if I lie on my stomach, the the, the reflux comes on very very quickly. 
Yeah. So look, as I say, Barry, that is what we call volume reflux. If you're taking your medication and this is still happening, you need to think about uh, seeing a specialist about an operation because um, it is quite frightening for people. It really is very, very uncomfortable. What you can do is try elevate the head of your bed a bit. And then obviously the lifestyle modification, you can try not to have big meals or spicy meals or alcohol um, before you go to sleep. Um, but that would be the, that volume reflux, one of the indications um, to recommend surgery for patients. All right. But I think if you haven't had an endoscopy and you've had reflux for a long time, and certainly if you're getting into your 40s and 60s, I'd recommend in any case to have a gastroscope just to check that there hasn't been damage because what can happen, as I mentioned, is persistent acid burning of the lower esophagus can predispose you to uh, cancer of the esophagus, especially if you're a smoker. Professor Bezos, let me thank you so much for your time on the talking point today and for being part of our health segment. It's been a pleasure having you on. And thank you to our listeners, as always, for tuning in, for engaging. And I certainly hope that uh, this last hour, specifically with the medical questions, has been helpful.